Our theme for this year is seeing the king in 2015. So we want to see the king in everything that we do, all aspects of our life. Whatever we do, we need to see Jesus. Amen? And when we do that, we know that we'll be motivated. We know that we'll be strengthened. We know that uh, we'll be able to do things uh, in a greater degree when we see Jesus involved in it. We want him to be involved in every area of our life. You ought to be living a life in such a way that you're not embarrassed or afraid to have Jesus right there by your side at all times. Can you honestly say, take a look at an inward look at your heart and say, uh, there's, not, there's, there's not a place that I go or people that I talk to or anything that I do or, or take into my, my heart or my spirit, into my mind that I uh, am not ashamed to have Jesus sitting right there beside me watching me at all times. You need to, be, you need to, take, need to think about that because he is there at all times. He's, he's our ever-present help in our time of need. He's, he's always with us. And so we need to make sure that we're not embarrassing him, but we're not offending him, <clears throat> that we're not doing anything in our lives that would offend him because that separates us from him. He can't, uh, you know, he can't look on sin. He can't be present in, in sin. Well, thank you, sir. I was going to get by without it, but I'll, uh, I'll use it. <clears throat> but um, we need him present in our life, amen? <clears throat> and so anything that we would do that would offend him would cause hesitation in our relationship or our fellowship with the Lord, right? Well, how many think that you can, you can afford uh, there to be some hesitation between you and God? If you need him, you need him right then, Right? And we know that the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life. Death is separation. Sin brings separation. As a believer, sin still separates us from God. So whatever you do, sin, if, if you're sinning, if there's sin in your life, then it will separate you from God in that area of your life and so, or his blessings in that area of your life. And we can't afford to be separated from any of the blessings of God. We need all of them in our life. <clears throat> and so... Really, as you boil it down, that's talking about living an overcoming life because there's so many things that are thrown at us, so many temptations, trials, opposition, uh, even blessings. Sometimes, you know, uh, people, are do, they do fine in trials, but boy, a great big blessing come their way, and that's what, that's what sets them back. They get all focused on that, and that's what uh, gets them off track. Can you handle, you know, prosperity? Can you handle... Uh, you know, the hard times, the good times, all the times. And, and when you handle that, or as you handle that, do you handle it in such a way that you are constant within your fellowship with the Lord, in your relationship with Him, that your, your love never changes no matter what it is, whether things are going good or things are going bad, your love for Him is still the same. Uh, does, you know, do you have setbacks or do you have a set set up it just sets you up for a victory so it's it really depends a lot on how we view things and we need to walk in such a way that we are walking as overcomers overcoming these things that would come into our life that would set us back satan walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour he's always watching to see where he can come and attack to devour you or to, to and, and to separate you from god's blessings to weaken you so that you're, uh, you are not strong in an area of your life to overcome him. Uh, 
he's always bringing things into our, our pathway, and so our job is to overcome him. God never promised that it'd be easy, but he, uh, he, he said it wouldn't be impossible. And so we come up to the things that seem to be impossible, and that's where that the impossible becomes possible, right, and, and with, with God. As we've looked at Colossians chapter 3, we've seen that the Apostle Paul breaks some things down, and he's talking about living this overcoming life. Man, that water, real quick, if you don't mind. He's talking about living an overcoming life, and when we live an overcoming life, then we know that, that Jesus is by our side at all times. Turn to Colossians chapter 3. We're going to take a look at the first four verses. We've been taking this as a text the last couple of weeks, talking in detail on a couple, really, along the first verse so far. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, it says, since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above. For Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Now he goes on to say a lot of other things about what we need to do to practice this every day in our life, in this overcoming life, what we've looked at so far is that on this, this uh, or to live this overcoming life, is that we've got to understand who we are first and foremost. We've got an identity crisis. We don't realize who we are, and a lot of times we don't respond correctly. We react in a way that we're always reacting to a, a, a problem or opposition because we're not ready for it. Uh, and then when we do react, we react in a, from a stance of weakness because we don't understand, we're not prepared, and we don't understand who we are. We allow the devil to talk us into believing that we uh, have done such, a, so, such so many different things that God doesn't care that much for us, that we're not top on his list. Therefore, you know, he doesn't really care that much for us. If we would have lived a better life, or if we hadn't done this or that at this particular time in our life, then we would be here with God rather than here with God. But, you know, but, and he'll come and tell you that this is where you are down here, so God doesn't really care that much about you. And so, therefore, why do you think that he would even come and help you right now? You deserve this anyway. That's, these are some of the things. Has the devil ever told you that? Now, he'll even get to the point of where he comes and says, well, if you're really saved... You wouldn't even be having problems. And then you're thinking, well, maybe that's true. Maybe, I, maybe I'm never, never really even got saved. Because if I, if I was, I wouldn't be feeling this way. Well, I don't even know if I'm going to heaven or not. And he will keep pushing you and pushing you down further till you have question marks and you have all these things that you're really not sure of, of who you are. You don't, then you don't even know if you're a Christian or not. So why could you fight? Or what do you have to fight with? You don't even know if you have any weapons because, well, you know, you, you might have heard what they are, but you don't know if you could use them or not because you don't think that you're worthy enough to use them. That's a bunch of baloney. That's a lie from hell because it's not on your deeds that you're justified. It's on the deeds of Jesus Christ. And because he died, God says, you died. And when he died, he paid the penalty for all of your sins. Every one of them. 
from zero, from the beginning of time until the end of time, he paid for them. And it cost him everything. And it cost you your belief to believe that he did that. And by doing that, God calls that. He, he substitutes Jesus and his death for you and your death. That's good stuff. That is good news. That's the good news that, that the, the apostles, the disciples, that's what they talk about. That's what they went and preached. That's the good news. That you don't have to die. You don't have to pay that price for your sin because Jesus did. And God the Father accepts what he did for what you deserve. And now I don't have to do that. And I am free. Say I'm free. Say it one more time. You, you sound like you almost believe it. When you've been so bound, and then when you really realize that you're free, that's when you say it like you mean it. That's when it really means something to you. When you feel like that you got that monkey off your back, when you feel like the, the one that was pushing you down, pressing you down, and telling you that why should you even think you could do that when you realize that that's gone and you can and you are who he says you are, then it makes a difference. Then you begin to feel free. And sometimes the sad thing is, is that we only have these moments of freedom. That we only feel free when the praise band gets to that kind of point today where they were, you know. When we're saying, I'm free, I'm free. And we kind of start to believe that we're free. We have moments of freedom. And we live from mountaintop to mountaintop. From this mountain of freedom to this mountain of freedom. And we just kind of go through our Christian life wondering how we can get back to that point of freedom. And we become almost like a drug addict that chases the high. And it seems like that we can never get to that high that we first had with Jesus. Well, I want to tell you something. You're chasing the wrong thing. Because we're, we're chasing the past when we ought to be looking at the future and realizing that, that, that he, I am saved from the penalty and guilt of sin and I'm being saved every day from the very power of sin that would hold me down and I have been saved from the very presence of sin. In the future, I'm going to live with him forever. And when we settle that question of who we are, then this living this uh, overcoming life, we understand that the position that we have is one that we have been raised with Him. You can't be raised unless you died. Right? So that's why he spent chapter 2 of Colossians talking about when He died, you died. And so he says, you know, since then that you, since you have, uh, we died, then he goes on and says, well then, now then since you have been raised with Christ, then do something. So we've spent a couple of weeks talking about our position, about being raised. And if you weren't here, you didn't get that. You need to listen to it or get, get a CD or however you can listen to it. And, and I think it will help you get free. That's our position is we've been raised. You've been raised now to walk and to live a new life. The old has passed away. The new has come. When the devil comes and tells you about your past, say, that's not me. That's the old person. That's not me. They don't live here anymore. 
<laughs> when he comes knocking, they don't, they don't live here anymore. This is the new person, the new you. The Apostle Paul, he changed his name from Saul to Paul, and that helped remind him that he was a new creation. If you need to change your name, that's fine. Just let us know about it. <laughs> you know? And so we can call you the same thing. I have a little granddaughter that uh, she has a, 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 a Hawaiian name. It's Kavehilani. And it's a beautiful name. It means the, the grace of God. But it's kind of hard to pronounce and it's kind of hard to say. And so as she was in school, kids would make fun of her. And when she would say her name, and, or, and then she couldn't spell her name, you know, because it's Kavehilani, because the W is, sounds like a V, so you have to put a W there instead of the V. And, it's, and so she decided that she just wanted a shorter name, Aaliyah. Well, so all of a sudden, we don't know anything about it, and, uh, and we kind of shortened and called her Kavehi. And so, uh, you know, Christmas would come in, and all of a sudden, it's uh, Aaliyah. And I'm going, who? <laughs> <laughs> so um, we had some, somehow the, there was a mix-up. This was on Christmas Eve, and so we needed to go get some extra presents. And so I decided that me and Kavehi would go get some extra presents at Walmart since they were open. <clears throat> I was looking for an opportunity. And so we got in the car, so we're driving, I'm talking, and so I asked her, and I said, well, you know, I just love Kavehilani. I love that name. And, and uh, I said, and I even like Kavehi. I said, but I like Aaliyah. Aaliyah sounds great, too. That's awesome. You know, who thought of that? And she said, well, I did. I said, really? So I, I want to make sure it wasn't mom or somebody else that, you know, was trying to press this name on her. And she said, I did. And I said, oh, okay, well, that's cool. I said, do you like that? Yeah. I said, and you want us, would you rather be called Aaliyah? Yes. I said, well, if that's what you want us to do, then that's what we'll do. And so, come, you know, I talked to her a little bit more and found out why and what the reason was. And then it was her idea. And, and she, she did that. I said, okay, then fine, we'll call you that. And so that's what we call her is Aaliyah now because that's what she wants to be called. She changed her name. But we just didn't know about it. So if you change your name, <laughs> let us know. <laughs> but, you know, you might need to know, do that in your mind. You might need to have a change. You need to change something that you know that that old part of you is dead. And now you have been raised. You've been raised. But the re Jesus died to save you. Thank God for that. He died to save you from the penalty of sin. But he rose to enable you to live now this new life. Why don't we do it? That's what it's all about. We need to thank God that he went to the cross. But he didn't stay on the cross. I'm preaching Easter messages early so that you get it. <laughs> you know, I mean, he didn't stay on the cross. We do a drama in this. Uh, I would encourage you to come be a part of this drama. There's a lot of positions that that are needed there's a lot of people behind the scenes a lot more than that are in scenes that's for sure and um christian has rewritten and rewritten and it's it's and kind of brought it down it really is good and it, it will minister and it'll change hearts but um you know in this we there's some dramas that they just end with the cross they end with jesus on the cross and we've always decided no that's not the, that's the beginning really that's the beginning of the story when Sandy and I got married, it'll be 42 years this, this April. Well, that was the beginning. You know, that wasn't the ending. I, you know, guys kind of think that's it. That's the ending. We got her. Got her. Or she might think that, you know, put a ring on it, you know. <laughs> put a ring. Oh, I got the ring. Now that's it, man. I, that's over. That's it. It's finished. That's it. No, no, no. That, that's the beginning. That's the start of everything. 
You see, salvation is the beginning. He died to save us. And now, I'm, but I've been raised with him. So that's my position. I've been raised with him to live a new life. Now, if I know who I am, and I don't have this identity crisis, and when Satan tries to come during a trial or something and tell me I'm worthless and I'm no good and this and that and I don't have the power to do this and who do I think I am and all this other stuff, then I can, I can have a defeated attitude if I don't know who I am or I can have an overcoming attitude by knowing that I'm an overcomer. So the next step in this is your posture or in your, your uh, this walk, this overcoming life. Walking this overcoming life. My position is that I've been raised with him. But then he goes on to say, he says, since you have been raised with Christ, he says, what? Set your hearts on things above. That word set there is really important. It's a neat word. It means to seek or strive for earnestly. It means like focus. On racehorses, they put these blinders on them. And it's so that they can't see the other horses to the other side, and they're focused, and all they see is the racetrack, and they see straight ahead, because they don't want them to be distracted. I think we need those blinders on us sometimes, because we look around, and, and we're trying to run, and we're bumping into things, this and that. You can't run if, you, if you're looking at other things and get distracted. You've got to run. You've got to set your heart. Is that what he says? Set your heart on things above. Set means to focus. Now, there's a saying, I think I put it on Facebook last week, your focus decides your feelings. Would you agree with that? So what's an example of that? If you're focused on how far behind you are on your rent, and if you're focused on how bad you feel, you're focused on a relationship that's not going as the way that you think it ought to be going, you're focused on all these negative things, you're probably going to be feeling defeated, right? You're focused on a relationship that, that's one that's fussing and fighting all the time and, and you feel defeated, then you're going to walk around feeling defeated. So your focus decides or determines your feelings. Can we change that? Well, but, I mean, the, cir the circumstance might be the same. Well, how would we change it? Did we change the circumstance or what? I, I might not have any control over the circumstance, but what do I have control over? My focus, what I decide to focus on. So I need to put these blinders on and decide that I'm going to focus my heart on things above. Now, that's the next thing we need to look at because heart there means affections desires, your affections, your loves, your devotions. Focus your affections on things above. What is your affection? What are things that you love? What are things that uh, an affection with something that you'd be attracted to? Something that you uh, give time and attention to, right? If it's an affection, you, you're going to go out of your way to, to try to either do something, be there, or spend time, or get that thing or something, right? It's an affection. You know, if you like double-dipped malt balls, yeah, I remember it, I, and when we lived in Topeka, Kansas, at Sears at that time, they had double-dipped malt, malt, malt balls, malt balls, malted balls, not moth balls, but malt balls. 
you can double dip a mothball, <laughs> but chocolate is going to still be, you know, you get through that second dip, <laughs> it's still going to be a mothball. But, you know, I used to like to go to Sears, but my attention and my focus was uh, not so much on the shopping, but was to get over to where the double dip malt balls were because they were, they were some good stuff right there. Malted milk balls, something like that. I don't know, me and the M's, I, I might just get stammering lips and a stuttering tongue uh, and feel like I'm speaking in tongues, but I, that's, that was my focus, you know. Um, you know, that's why they try to get you to, when you go to a, a movie, you know, yeah, you're going, maybe going to see a movie, but when you go in, you might smell the popcorn and this and that, and so your, your affection might be on that popcorn, so you might get, you know, all of a sudden, you're focused, you're distracted a little bit, and you get some popcorn, and now before you know it, you know, it costs you 50 bucks to go through the movies. <laughs> Lord, mercy. I'm so glad I, I got an AARP now. <laughs> you can get a discount or go to an afternoon movie or something. It's, it's expensive to, to try to go out, right? Man, if, if I took Sandy, it'd be even more expensive. <laughs> but set your affection, set your heart on things above. What is your posture? Are you walking through this life, this Christian life, and you're thinking about, you know, why hasn't God done this for me? Or why didn't he do this or that for me? He did it for somebody else. He didn't do it for me. And you're thinking about all this stuff that hasn't happened and this hasn't happened and that hasn't happened. And why hasn't, why is, you know, and I ought to this and I ought to that and all of these things. And you're focused on all this garbage and that's how you're going to be feeling when Satan comes up and slaps you with something. And then where, where's your affections going to be? Where's, where's God in all this? He's back there somewhere, right? In Ezekiel, I think it is, where he's talking about that the children of Israel, they had given their attention and their affection to idols. And God hadn't been talking to them for a while. And he said, uh, hey, he said, do you think that just because I haven't been talking to you for a while, that's, that's why, is that why you don't reverence me? That's why you don't fear me anymore? He said, you know, whenever you have some trouble, let, your, let that collection of idols, let them save you. You know, when you get in trouble, let your affections take care of your problems. Don't call me, you know, don't call me because you haven't been, we haven't been, you know, we haven't been talking. You haven't been talking to me. You don't care nothing about me. So why are you going to call on me when you get in trouble? How are you doing in that area of your life? How's your fellowship with God? Are you on, you know, is your heart on things above? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That's why Jesus was teaching that. Where your treasure is, there's where your heart's going to be. That's where your affections are going to be. Where your treasure is, what do you treasure? Well, I treasure, you know, my house and my car and, and my this and my that and all these possessions and I treasure, you know, my wife and my kids. And well, we're supposed to. You're supposed to love these things. He don't tell you to, but he does say to put him first, doesn't he? Well, there was one time when Jesus said, you know, if a man doesn't hate his father and his mother and follow after me, he's not, he's not worthy to be my disciple. Whoa, what's up, Jesus? <laughs> Woo, just get a new attitude now. <laughs> Hating mom and dad, what's up with you? He just like, let's just say it so you can understand it. And so what he's saying is, in, unless you put your affection, unless you really love the kingdom of God more than you love everything else, you're not going to live an overcoming life. 
You're going to have problems. And when you have those problems, you're probably going to fall in some of them because you've got to you gotta overcome them. It doesn't mean that you won't have problems. The thing is, is that when the problems come or when they come and they come in numbers, you know, not just maybe single problems, but maybe four or five things at once, you know, are you still going to be able to maintain your focus and know who you serve and who you love? Because, you know, the defense will rush a quarterback and, and they sack him a couple of times, you know, instead of him, when he comes back, he's supposed to be focusing on, you know, receivers going out there. You know, he's got this wide look, you know, and, and know kind of what to do. But if he's been sacked by J.J. a couple of times, you know, he, his focus is going to be on, where's J.J.? Where is he? And now the receivers are like, well, now we're covered. You know, we're not open anymore. So, you know, they try to get the focus off of that. In boxing, you know, they'll come in and they'll, bam, we'll work at the body a little bit, work at the body a little bit, keep working. At the, pretty soon, that, that boxer is going to be down there. His focus is going to be down there covering up them ribs because they hurt. Them ribs are hurting. You drop that hand and you got a jaw open up. Boom, boy, there you go. Hey, Pastor, what are you talking about, all that kind of stuff? <laughs> I had a life. <laughs> So we, if we got rowdy when we played basketball, our coach would just throw out the, box, the boxing gloves. He said, go, go after it. And we'd just have about, you know, an hour boxing. And boy, I tell you what, we thought, you think you're in shape, you go around a, a round or two in boxing. That'll let you know if you're in shape or not, or wrestling. So, yeah, we had to do some of that, you know. So just get it out. And he'd be over there, yeah, yeah, yeah. But where's your focus? Where's your attention? If you're going to win, if you're going to, then it doesn't matter what comes your way. Your posture has to be such that you, your focus is set on things above. Your affections are on things above. So you need to check yourself. Do a checkup and see where your affection is. Where is your heart? Where is your heart really? Does he have your heart? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Love the Lord your God. That's what he tells us. Jesus said, if you can do these two things, love, he said, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, he says, everything else is taken care of. You don't have to worry about anything else. So that's the question today. Can you love him with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul, with all of your strength? Can you love your neighbor as yourself? Or do we love ourselves more than we love anything else? We're putting ourselves first. That's why that he talks about that we've got to have a, a humble and a contrite spirit. That's where God dwells. He said, I, I dwell in the high and holy place. Yeah, that's where I am. But also in the heart of the contrite, the lowly and the contrite, those that are humble and the contrite, where you have come down and you say, it's not all about me. I'm dead. That, remember that person died on the cross, remember? You're dead. But he gave you another chance. Now you've been raised, and since you've been raised to live a new life, you better put your allegiance on him who raised you, who brought you up to give you a new life. And so we give our attention there, and we say that it's not about us, but it's about him, so that we humble ourselves in the sight of God. A contrite spirit is one that has been compressed and squeezed out. Everything squeezed like a toothpaste thing. You just squeeze it all oh, Squeeze it all out where there's nothing left in it. Until maybe there would be even a vacuum in it to where when your spirit is open, man, and then it draws in God. 
and you're filled with the Spirit of God, a contrite spirit. But if it's, if it's, not, if it's all about you, then you're going to be mad. I'm going to be mad at T because, you know, T didn't do something for me because I'm the most important because all my attention and all my affection, my heart is right here. And my heart is here on me and what I'm doing. It even happens in church, you know. You get, uh, you got the praise team, you got an outreach team, you got a dance team, you got a drama team, you got a whatever. And so pretty soon, it, what can happen are the ushers and the usherettes and the deacons and the deaconettes and the whatever, you know, and you get all these different things. And, and well, you want to be excited about your team, right? And you ought to be because that's, where, that's what God's called you to do. Come on, come on and do it with enthusiasm enthusiasm in theos god within you doing it with but pretty soon you think your team is the top of the list and it's all about us and nothing about nobody else and if if it's not about us then we're gonna get mad and we ain't gonna do our thing that doesn't happen around here thank the lord but it can happen you know, goes, well, because we have to have so much enthusiasm to build our team and to build our, our ministry that God has given to us, and we can even take and turn our ministry into our kingdom, and we can put our heart, so much of our heart into that, that that becomes the first and foremost. And if it doesn't, everything doesn't revolve around that, then, then everybody else is going to hell. Right? It's all about women's ministry it's all about men's ministry it's all about ushers it's all about dance team it's all about praise team it's all about drama team it's all about but see thank the lord that's not coming to me yet i mean if it, if that's happening y'all need to let me know about it but maybe you're afraid to but but i don't see that but i'm just saying it can be satan can get us so heavenly minded that we're of no earthly good we sometimes we take and we exalt our own self because now we can do it because it's we're you know because god called us and i've got my commission from god but what does it mean what the pastor says or if he's he's not as excited about my area of ministry as he is about such and such other ministry come on you little kids that's like telling daddy he loved one per, one child more than he loved the other he loved them all but sometimes you got to smack one of their tail ends a little bit get them in line right oh can you do that anymore i'm sure glad that i, I my fatherhood ages are i got to father back then when we can right attitude adjustment that's right my dad knew how to do that what are your memories you know and get rid of the old garbage stuff. Leave it there. Die to it. You died to it. It was nailed to the cross, so leave it there. You've been raised. And since you've been raised, set your hearts, your affection on things above. And also set your mind, your thoughts on things above. And your memories. Some people get so depressed. They said they're just thinking about the way it used to be. And it ain't that way anymore. Well, if you'd stop, you know... Feeling so bad because you're thinking about, then maybe you get up off of your blessed assurance and make it like it used to be. Make some new memories, right? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes we, we want to live so much in the past. Or if there was a failure back there, so we're, well, if so-and-so hadn't done such and such, then I'd be, I wouldn't be where I am, and I'd have better. And so we're always thinking about what it should have been or how it could have been different. 
but set your mind, your, your mind on things above, your thoughts on things above. Your t- Come on, get over it. That's past. It's a new day. Since you've been raised now, even yesterday is yesterday. Today is today. Get your mind on Him. Forget it. Forgive Him. And get on with it. Don't let that thing pull you down where you're not walking in victory. Say, I'm over it, devil. I'm over it. It might have been somebody done you wrong. But that was yesterday. Today is today. And say, I'm going to make a new memory today. I'm going to rise up and my mind's going to be stayed upon thee. Listen to just a few of these scriptures. That t- and this is just a small selection. If we bring out an appetizer tray and then just pass it around, here's a few selections from the kitchen for you to try out. First Chronicles 28, 9. And you, my son, Solomon, acknowledge the God of your father and serve him uh, with wholehearted devotion and with a willing mind. He says, get your heart on him, get your mind on him, for the Lord searches every heart and understands every motive behind the thoughts. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. Come on. Get your, get your mind on the Lord, your affections on the Lord. Get your, your attention, your thoughts, your heart on the Lord as well. Wholehearted devotion and a willing mind. Yesterday was yesterday. Today's a new day. Isaiah 26.3 says, You will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. we got to trust in him, get our mind upon him. Forget about it. Forget about it. Jeremiah 17, 10. I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward a man according to his conduct, according to what his deeds deserve. You better watch out. Because what happened back there, even if it was somebody else's fault, if we keep remembering that and keeping us from being who we ought to be today, then God's going to judge us today for not doing what we're supposed to be doing because yesterday's holding us back from what we're doing today. Did you get that? Get our, our minds on the Lord. Forget about it. You know, we need to be, that's what they say in New York, forget about it, man. Forget about it. Let's get, get a newness of mind. Say, you know what, I'm going to walk new with you today, Lord. Thank God for how, how it used to be. Oh, and, and, and rejoice in the good old days. Put the bad old days behind us. Forgive those. And now then, say, that's behind me. Today's a new day. I'm starting out fresh and new, and I'm moving on. Hallelujah. Jesus replied there in Matthew twenty two thirty seven, 37, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all of your mind. I think we ought to get it. He keeps telling us over and over and over again. Paul said those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. So if that's where your mind is, you're going to yield to your sinful nature. Well, I'm not sinning. I'm not doing what I used to. Well, then, but if we're not doing what his will is, then we're sinning, right? So what, we, what might not have been sin to us when we were in sin could still be sin, right? If it's not what God's will is. Is that plain enough? Without, do I need to get more specific? I can, I can write some things down here if you like. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set 
on what the Spirit desires. Have your mind set on what the Spirit desires. What does the Spirit desire? When we get up in the morning, we ought to say, Holy Spirit, what do you desire today? And then when we find out what He desires, that's what we need to set our minds on. That's what we need to think about. Think about that. Say, I'm going to achieve that today. That's where I'm going to be. I guarantee you that if it's, if it's what the Spirit desires, it's going to involve love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And those are the things that people ought to see in our life rather than anger and frustration and, and spitefulness and, and, and d- despair and gloom and depression and, and weakness and all those other things, right? How do people see you? What do they see when they see you? Do they see an overcomer? Or they see someone that's being overcome. You know, in spite of the situation, where are you? (laughs) That doesn't mean that things won't happen. But I'm telling you, when they do happen, what are you going to do? Where will you be? Will you be on the end that's coming, that say, I'm overcoming this thing? Or are you going to be on the end that says, oh, wow, this is, I can't take any more. I've had all I can stand, and I can't stand no more. Some of you remember the old Popeye cartoons. But Paul says that have, uh, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of a sinful man is death or separation from really from what God is. But the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. You want to have a real life? Then get your mind and your heart upon the Lord. Then you have, your, you'll have life and peace. In Romans 12, 2, do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Hello, have we got it yet? There's still lots more. <laughs> Philippians 4, 3, finally, brothers, Paul says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And if you're not thinking, if it's not, if it's not true, or if it's not noble, if it's not right, if it's not pure, if it's not lovely, if it's not admirable, if it's not excellent or praiseworthy, then don't think about it. Then get it out of your mind. Don't even give it any attention. Don't focus, don't set your mind on that. Don't even focus on that. Say no. And then think about something else. Well, what do I think about? Well, open the Word of God and begin to read the Word until you can get something to think about. Think about Jesus. Begin to sing a praise song. Begin to declare how good He is. Get you past that thought. You know, one person said you can't keep the birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from building a nest. You know, thoughts are going to come and they're going to soar around and they're gonna, all these thoughts are going to come, but they don't have to take lodging there. They don't have to build a nest. They don't have to stay there. You don't have to focus on them until that they become, the, that's what you're thinking about because you can think about it so long that then you get all frustrated. You get depressed. You get discouraged because of your stinking thinking. And so what you focus on does determine your feelings. And that affects other people too. He says, think about these things. That's what we need to be thinking about. Our posture should be set or focused on God and his kingdom and not on us and our kingdom. Isaiah 57, 15. Listen what God says to Isaiah. For this is what the high and lofty one says. He who lives forever and whose name is holy, just in case you forgot who I am. 
I live in a high and holy place, but also with him who is contrite and lowly in spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly. <laughs> that means to revive or to restore the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. Well, we need him to revive us. We need it. We're living in an era, we're living in, a, in an age that Satan's bringing so much pressure on from all sides that we can get pressed down, you know. And, you know, Paul said we're hard-pressed but not crushed. How's that? So that when you're hard-pressed, you get your mind back upon him and you overcome those things. Say, Pastor, won't you teach some more on some prophecy? A lot of things happening, yeah? Man, I know it. I love it. I, I read it every day. But, you know, I know, too, that when you preach it and you hit it every day, every day, every day, that sometimes it, it gets so overwhelming that we get to thinking, well, man, I just don't know if we're even going to be able to pull out of this. Well, where is Jesus? We need him now. We need him yesterday. Well, I believe if he was coming, you know, soon, if they thought he was coming soon, and they were living in the last days, we ought to be, at least be living in the last hours or last minutes. I believe we got seconds on the clock. That's why I'm teaching what I'm teaching here now, because you're not going to make the first out translation if your mind and your heart's not upon the bridegroom. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Because you'd be looking down at other people or down at your problems, have your focus set down here on how discouraged you are when we need to be looking up here where he comes. He says, look unto Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross and despised the shame. That's where he looked. Man, he could have looked down on me and said, I don't think he's quite worth this nail. <laughs> you know, he could have looked and said, I don't know about that boy. I don't think he's quite worth it. But he decided to see something. He found, he focused in on some one thing, one little thing and said, well, okay. And he got a little joy out of that. If he would have looked down through history and saw, you know, and, and Satan tried, that's why I think that Jesus had such a hard time in the garden. I think that Satan just kind of took him on this journey and telling him what's going to happen, you know, and, and, and that how people would deny his name and, and wage war and kill in his name and various things like that. Jesus had a hard time, but he came and how he overcame the garden of Gethsemane was when he put his, he set his affection, his heart upon the things above and he got his mind upon God and upon what his mission was. And he endured the cross, despised the shame. Man, he, he overcame those things for us. We got a position, we got a posture, and this, this walk, it also involves some protection. You don't have to worry about when you're walking and overcoming life, don't worry about get whether you're going to get blindsided or not. You've got to realize that he's surrounding us. He encompasses us round about, amen? And Colossians 3 says, For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Verse 3 there in Colossians 3. It tells us that we got some protection, that we're hidden in Him. That means we're concealed in Him. It means that we, we are, uh, He hides us. He puts us in Him. That's pretty good. I got some protection. You know, that's better than anything else that could protect me. And... We know that Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. And he says, and I know them. He said, they follow me. And he says, and, and, and I give them 
eternal life. I give them eternal Zoe, this life, this eternal life that is more powerful, that can do all things. He says, they shall never perish, never perish. That's not just for the sweet by and by. Never perish means even now. That we don't perish in this problem or this situation or this circumstance. And then listen to this in John chapter 10, verse uh, 20. This is around about 28. He says, um, he says, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them, uh, gave them me, is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. We are in the hands of Jesus. And then God puts his hands around us and wraps us up and, and tightens us up. And nobody can get to us. And we're safe and secure. We talked about that last time, that we're protected. No weapon that's formed or fashioned against me can prosper. It can't be successful because Jesus is covering me. He's covering me. Psalm 91, he who dwells, who finds his residence, who is, is abiding in the shelter, in the covering, or in the protection of the Most High, will rest. You're going to renew your strength in the shadow, in the influence, under the influence, the protection of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, this is where, what we need to be saying, what we need to be thinking about. He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. When things get tough, you realize that he's sheltering you and you are, get in him. You are in Christ and he is covering you and sheltering you. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. It doesn't say that they won't come, but when they do come, it says, surely he will save you. He will rescue you. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. Just like a mother hen covers and shelters and brings that warmth life to those little chicks. He's going to cover us and protect us. And he says, uh, you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and your rampart. Do you think God is faithful? Then he's your shield. He's out there. He's protecting you. What have you, do, you know, like the old song says, what have I to fear? What have I to dread? You just need to lean over on the everlasting arms of God. He says, you will, uh, you will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. At midday. No Ebola virus, no any other thing that comes. You don't have to fear all that stuff. That doesn't mean that you have to be stupid, but it means that I'm not going to walk around being afraid about what am I going to do here and what am I going to do there, and, and I don't know about this and I don't know about that, and here we go. No, you know that God's watching you. When you are in Him and you're doing His work and His will, then nothing can come your way. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eye and see the punishment of the wicked. And you can see those things, and they're going to happen, but it won't come near you. If you make the most high your dwelling, your place of residence, you stay there. That You you know what? I'm in him, and I'm overcoming. I'm going to have my position. I'm going to know that I'm raised in him. My posture is going to be upon him. So that means I'm protected. He's going to protect me and watch over me. He says, then no harm will befall you. No disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. Praise God you can claim that. Boy, there's been times I've pulled it out and read the 91st Psalm. 
and I've just read it when things are blowing and tearing apart and read it and stand up and, and just read it it's like in the face of the storm read the 91st psalm for he will command his angels concerning you it says verse 12 they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone you will tread upon the lion and the cobra uh, you will tr trample on the greater lion and the serpent jesus said in luke 10 19 he says uh you you know, that you can tread upon serpents and scorpions and all the power of the evil one. Nothing's going to harm you. There's nothing that Satan can bring against you that can defeat you. It says, verse 14, because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. Because his affection, his attention, because his mind is stayed upon me, I'm going to rescue him. But he said in, in Ezekiel over there, hey, if you don't care about me, then fine. Let your collection of idols rescue you. Let that take care of you in this, in this situation. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him. For he acknowledges my name. That's what the Philadelphia church said they did. It says, because you have kept the word of my patience and have not denied my name, I will keep you from that hour of trial that's coming upon all the world. That's that bridal company. We, keep, we acknowledge his name in all our areas. He's Jehovah Rapha. He's Jehovah Jireh. He's my shepherd that gives me counsel and wisdom and direction. He's my ever-present help in my time of need. He said, I will rescue him. He acknowledges my name. And then verse 15, he will call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Praise God. That's what God says he's going to protect you. I don't know what's coming your way or where you, where you are right now or what you're in, but I, I've got a good word for you today that God is covering you. He's got angels surrounding you, and it can't take you out. And one guy said, I can be washed, but I can't be drowned. <laughs> you know, you can't be taken out. Oh, Rocky, he got knocked down, but he kept getting back up. You can be hard-pressed, but not crushed persecuted but not abandoned struck down but not destroyed you see it doesn't mean that it won't happen that those things don't that you don't get hit it just means that you can't get knocked out